0: Hey, what's up guys, this is Ivan Meekins and you are listening to Content Untapped sponsored by Riot Business Results. This is the show where I go on a mission to unpack all those tiny little details that make up fantastic content. I report my findings back to you and I try and give you some practical tips that you guys can take home into your next project. If you do like what you hear, please do all those classic podcasty things, you know, like, share, subscribe, tell your friends about us, all that kind of stuff. It helps us spread the word and reach more people just like you, which is awesome. Also, if you wanted to have a more in-depth conversation about what you're hearing today, just hit us up on LinkedIn. You can go to the Right Business Results LinkedIn page, or you can go to my own personal LinkedIn page and fire us a DM. We can spark up a whole conversation there. Thanks, guys. Let's just crack on with the episode. We met. I think it was at some point last year, and when you explained to me this idea of youth marketing, youth culture, street culture, and how that kind of is so influential in the world, I wanted to bring you on just to talk a little bit about how things like youth culture, street culture in particular and and in the wider context, culture in general can help shape yeah. content and turn people if they can understand this better into better content creators so uh, yeah. Luke, can you just give me like a rundown and give the listeners a rundown like what is youth? culture marketing so youth culture marketing is basically
1: building strategies that leverage the power of culture and aspiration as a way to engage with prospective clients or your strategic target and most people whether they admit it or not are ultimately subscribing to a specific cultural expression or identity cultural identity everyone has this this cultural identity that is built on shared ideologies traditions beliefs mindsets there might be a set of behaviors language like all different ways that, that that culture might express itself but ultimately it's it's around having you know an identity rooted in something outside of yourself and what we do is basically decode that for brands and then work out how we can use that as a way to connect course, everything is done through culture like the products you buy yeah. who you want to be associated with uh, how you project yourself you know the job that you get everything is, is basically done from the lens of culture back in the day it was very much around you would market on uh product attributes then it was like a, a little bit more around like emotional marketing so this product might make you sexy it might make you cool yeah. or and then really it started to be more around like cultural selling propositions, which were ways of understanding and identifying a cultural tension and then being seen to resolve that cultural
0: tension. And that was really what cultural marketing was. And it's so true, right? Like even when people are creating content, whether you're like a filmmaker or a writer or a business owner trying to create content, everything that you're doing is allegorical to a certain extent where you're using the culture you grew up in and the society that, you know, was helped bring you up as a way to express your message regardless of what it is. So definitely definitely buy into that but why specifically Luke did you choose sort of you know we talk about different demographics here right why did specifically yes. did you choose youth culture as a way to help brands
1: because i think youth culture is where trends most trends are set i think it's where there's like a continuous like source of newness i think that's where cool comes from really it's like that you know that 16 to 24 is where most things are like established set crystallized and then older demographics adopt and appropriate. I think that the cultures that I were into were predominantly very, very youthful and like was more like mainly adopted by young people. And I just kind of like stayed in that space and I have like a, a genuine fascination of, you know, emerging or fringe cultures and fringe communities. And often they're, they're like powered and frontline by
0: young people. It's just what I find is that most interesting it's interesting from, from from my side as well cuz like we create a lot of content for small business owners and interestingly a lot of their clientele are not necessarily like that demographic and yeah. potentially there's a missed opportunity there for a lot of entrepreneurs who are running small businesses who think that you know they have a specific demographic in you know that that late 20s or 30s to to 50s but like what's the opportunity that like a, a brand or a business can have if they can unlock this and access the kind of the, the, the youth culture today.
1: I think you hash like anyone that owns a business has to be thinking about how am I priming my proposition, you know, for uh future adoption. It needs to be set up in a way that, you know, is gonna attract new people. It's like how are you getting yeah. new generations into your funnel, your pipeline, into your business, into your sector, your industry. People will be Gen Z. It's like you know, that that's, that's a huge proportion. You can't really afford to neglect, like, especially when every year, you know, it's going to have more of a dominant impact on all areas of society. That You have to set your business up in a way that it's going to be able to appeal and, and at least, like, engage or not push away this consumer group. So I think it's, like, it's, it's really important to understand, one, like, youth culture and like, what the next generation is doing, But then also understanding like the the uh, like the ideas of social influence and the importance of culture, regardless of your demographic. Like everyone aspires to a certain lifestyle or ideology, right? Regardless of who you're talking to, you need to understand that and then make sure that you're reflecting that in any of your content, regardless of who your strat target is. It just needs to embody what's aspirational to that to your consumer group.
0: One hundred percent. Businesses today, especially smaller businesses, a lot of the times think about like the immediate, you know, the, the, the next year or the next kind of three years. Like, I'm not sure how many people, when they, especially when they think about creating a content campaign or creating content, think about how can we use this content to shape a legacy that's going to, you know, the business is going to be, uh, attractive to the next generation of people coming up who are building businesses and who are going to be in the place of your current clientele in the next sort of five to 10 years. So that's a really interesting point. So for you, Luke, with Nerds Collective, you work with quite big brands, don't you?
1: Yeah, usually global brands, Reebok, Adidas, Nike, Hugo Boss, North Face. It's, right. They're all like, you know, pretty much the biggest, you know, the, the most iconic brands within our space. And they're yeah. all pretty culturally innovative and they're looking at ways of how they can continue to innovate in terms of the content, that they create, their communication, looking at what's next. How do we differentiate? Yeah. How do we create impact? How do we cut through? How do we uh, harness the power of the algorithm to create content? you know, that ultimately is memorable. So there's a constant yeah. need to look at like what are the new codes, like what are the most influential like nuances and framings of content that's going to deliver impact.
0: What are some things that, that you are doing like at Nerds Collective and some, some techniques and tools that you're using to help these brands like connect with this demographic? I think
1: it's looking at what's happening in the real world. It's like, you know, what's the most aspirational or influential touch points within that world? And then what can we learn? How do we decode that and try and bring some of those practices into how we create our own content? Because cool always set out. It's not in the brand mold. It's not done by commerce. It's not done by, it's not done in the commercial world. It's done, like, naturally, organically. A lot of fringe communities that are, you know, are, are pushing boundaries that are more driven by passion and general, like, bringing people together around things that they love. and like that. That's ultimately what we're trying to mimic. Right, we're trying to align ourselves through content with that space, wherever it is that our strategic target is is most inspired by. And it's, that's what we, that's what we basically are continuously mining and playing back to brands, so and they then can mm-hmm. incorporate some of those learnings into how
0: they're, they're connecting. It's so interesting because, like, obviously, a brand and a company is built are they're, they're built built by people, as you said, who come from specific cultures and have their own kind of ideologies attached to it. And then this idea yes. of cool is obviously is is generated from the people too. And yet, it's so hard to connect those two things together.
1: Yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard to understand like, the mechanics of social influence. I think a lot of brand managers don't understand what's cool. They don't understand the latest trends. They don't understand what young people want You know, from a brand and from content. Like, I think it, it, there was generally a, a big amount of white space between the people that are trying to create content the people yeah. who are then consuming the content.
0: interesting. And which is where most, that is. Most,
1: I think that, so you imagine like one in 10 are part of some kind of, uh, slightly alternative, like cultural expression, right? The part of a cultural, subculture group or identity. That's, that's like one in 10, right? They're the people that are leaving the charge. It's like, I don't see that it's that personality or that persona is really represented within the brand and marketing world. Right. I think they're all doing different things. I just don't think they're not, they, they, they seem to gravitate towards the space. So therefore, you're you're talking to people that are quite discerning that aren't actually culturally attuned to creating good or, or quality content, right? And and you've only got to be two or three percent wrong to feel like some awkward uncle at a party. <laughs> yeah. And I think like you know that's where brands go wrong a lot. It's like most branded content
0: doesn't do that well. We mentioned this idea of cool. And where that comes from. Let's just talk a little bit more about that because yeah. you're quite cool. So let's try to like talk a little bit about like where, like for you in, in the research and the stuff that you've read and the stuff that you've written, like where do you think this idea of cool originates and where it spawns from?
1: Well, I think at this mainstream cool, but then it's like every culture has a different context around cool, right? So you might have Japanese, like mod the car mod culture, right? And I think, like, you know, icons and cultural insiders might look from that space that hold influence over their community might look very different to, you know, someone that is into uh drill music, you know, that is leaving sure. the charge within that. Do you know what I mean? It's, it, it's very contextual, like what's cool to want. Like, we often find is that, you know, the, the kind of consumer landscape is so fragmented that there, yep. well, then it's about well, understanding that and then playing to that. Whilst there's more like like mainstream ideas of, of like traditional cool, you know, where it's like people that are just a little bit like cultural nuances, a bit of swagger, they're at the forefront of a latest trend or a movement. It's like stereotypically cool, but I think it is, you know, super contextual. And I think that it, it really depends on, on, on what your source is for, for aspiration and inspiration. And yeah. And I think like that is the of real cool. Really just means it's influential as aspiration.
0: And and when you do you do any work to investigate what that is going to be for a specific brand who comes to you to look at a demographic to say well, what's cool within that space that we can use to yeah, engage one hundred
1: percent yeah it's like right cool who who do we believe in, like what's our audience hypotheses like who do we believe we have the most opportunity to who has the highest propensity to buy into our product is that audience size got the scale that we need in terms of our sales forecast. Cool. Once you've agreed on that, it's like, all right, well, let's now understand that consumer. Let's, understand, let's build out that consumer, right? And now we can decode what they think is cool. And now how do we install those, the, those ideas of cool in our communications, our connections and our content so that when they're scrolling, they think, oh, shit, that's what I aspire to. That's what I want to try and assimilate to. That's the kind of visual language or like um, watch, uh, what, you know, what I want to project.
0: So therefore I'm more likely to gonna be and get to engage. Yeah. Does that make sense? When you do these investigation exercises, are you yeah. looking for any potential like uh, signs or green flags for you to know that something is cool and is a trend and you should piggyback off of it or assimilate it into your marketing message?
1: Yeah, I think it's looking at who and where they're influenced. Yep. It's like what are they looking for? You know, when when looking at shopping work, where where are you looking who are you looking at? Like, what are, like, what product do you want to be seen with? What sounds do you think has the most equity within your community or group? It's like, it's, it's it's looking at really, it's like, what are they influenced by, right? And you can start the map to find, okay, cool. And, you know, what's the source of that? And then once you speak to, say, a thousand people and it's all kind of pointing towards a, a specific place or area or passion or expression
0: within, say, a culture, then it's like, okay, cool, that's, that's probably the goal there seems to me anyway from what i've seen that like that's a bit that people don't spend enough time doing they, they go straight to like who's the target audience but it's like rather than think about like the individual people like and, and people spend a lot of time on this avatar like this client avatar but no one really spends a lot of time thinking about the culture that avatar operates in and the environment that they live in every single day yeah
1: yeah what do they want what are their needs desires often it's you know it's It's a form of culture, whether you're into coffee culture, artisan culture, creative culture, vinyl record culture, which, you know, you're into kind of like middle-class mum culture. It's like, do you know what I mean? Everyone has a desire code, right? And it's cracking that desire code. That's really what it is. You know, if you can crack that, then you can leverage people because you know what they're kind of ultimately influenced by.
0: Nice. What mediums are you finding that are work that's working quite well to you? reach out to people and, and engage with them uh with this message
1: y2k is very much in now right it's like you no know, we went through that i would say like a 90s nostalgia and then it went to yeah. kind of noughties nostalgia and i think that colorful bold form of creative expression and visual language it, like is doing really well really Interesting. Well. it's just like layers and like you know textures and and, and bright colours is like there's a lot of colours come back in. I would say in the last couple, like even high fashion to the high street fashion, colour and textures that are are dominating now. And that that was the same as it was in
0: like early 2000s. Yeah. So I think it's about big bold colours at the look and textures. But but one thing I think that that has evolved and, and necessarily doesn't necessarily go in cycle so much is is the values that the, that this demographic have that that they didn't have back then. That that tends. Yes. For me anyway, I don't know if you agree, but that tends to be something that kind of evolves and changes and doesn't necessarily harken back to a specific time, especially kind of with the with youth.
1: Because it, 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 they're reappropriating aesthetics rather than like a set of values, right? Like you said, sure. right? It's, it's taking the aesthetics of a particular time and adding new values to that and meaning rather than kind of like bringing those values back.
0: I guess if you go back with an, uh, a uh values message nowadays you'll probably get cancelled.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah for sure it's because it's progressive it's super progressive yeah. right you can have yeah. someone that's like and it's very fluid as well because you can have someone that's like punk aesthetics into rap music that's into knitting do you know what i mean it's
0: like <laughs> you have these multi-hyphenate identities which i imagine makes it such a it's harder probably now than ever for someone to find like to access and properly connect with someone, or, or maybe it's always been hard, and this is just a new way of figuring it out. What do you reckon?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's like oh, before you be like oh, you know, let's, let's target like football, right? That doesn't exist today, right? And then there's like you know, twelve other different expressions of, of of like football lifestyle culture as well that are completely non traditional, that are like way more fluid, that are subscribing to a whole set of different values, norms seeking different experiences and it's like it's, it's super fragmented mm. you might aesthetically yeah, so- on the surface but not,
0: not not as a true tribe you know that it's way more fluid one thing that you mentioned just in passing that was the word uh, authenticity and it seems yeah. to me like when brands try and become cool <laughs> or like try to become cool or access this new kind of youth culture or a new demographic it's quite easy for them to do it just because they want the market rather than they're doing it from a place of genuine like they want to give value back to that community do you find a lot of brands making that mistake of of trying to like in in sustainability they call it whitewashing right so is there an an equivalent uh, of that in in kind of this branding and messaging and trying to access a new demographic definitely definitely
1: because ultimately you know like the idea of greenwashing or whitewashing or
0: sorry, yeah, I was greenwashing wasn't it not whitewashing yeah <laughs> so, no isn't like,
1: it it's like essentially it's virtual signaling yeah, and it's appropriating something that's positive net positive uh for commercial value without actually be giving or or propelling some you know the purpose that you're meant to be supporting but like yeah. you're just you're just signaling it you're using that as a trend as uh as a you know there's a, a desire for that amongst your you know potential consumers you're not you're not actually giving behind the cause so if you're for instance working within black culture and you're starting to use rappers and you're starting to use people from a certain like inner city environment it's like that's great but then how are you giving back to the communities that have given birth to those artists what are you doing outside to support and, and help with like social mobility you know helping like increase opportunity for Underserved communities, for instance, you know, if, if, if that's your way you're going to play, but you know, you just, you need to be giving, that brands have to be giving back, you know, wherever they want to position a brand in terms of that area of
0: culture or you know, that purpose. It's just like you have to, you have to be giving. Mm. Because I, I suppose therein lies the, the real potency and power of the connection is when people can see that it's authentic and you're actually doing something for. That community and engaging with them in a way beyond just a capitalist kind of commercial way, and that's where you can develop a really strong relationship and strong bond with the, a community and with a demographic when you not only you know approach the message in that way but do stuff like do positive change and, and help in a way that's beyond just selling to someone that's probably where that message becomes more a lot more powerful yeah, I
1: Actually, think brands have to have like a socio political stance now, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, think it's, it's difficult, and like, there's a lot of brands that have come unstuck by claiming something or, you know, projecting something. And when you interrogate their proposition, it's like they might have know, unethical supply chains, or you know, their their diversity and inclusion program internally isn't particularly strong, or it's like male dominated, or whatever. It's like, you know, but they, when when they're, the the values that they're trading on don't you know, you marry up with the values that their company built on internally, then there's
0: you know I, I think
1: that's where the lack of authenticity comes in, yeah, for sure,
0: makes a lot of sense and and you mentioned in a lot of your content how you know there's kind of there's a demographic that's like quite unrepresented uh in in this world it, it, when you when you say that in your podcast stuff, do you mean like you culture in general or or people from a more urban environment
1: I'm talking about we talk a lot about street culture right, and street culture is really born out of like struggle in it, like spatial disadvantage in the environments under privileged, impoverished communities that as a result of their environment often adopt quite creative forms of expression, which then is like what, you know, is probably the most dominant force in the youth culture globally now. Right, You know, cool, I think, has always come out of the scenes. Whether it's like punk culture, streetwear, rap culture, reggae, like, everything has come out of, like, inner city urban environments. And I think, you know, and that now is often adopted by most brands because it's, like, the number one source of influence. But I think that, you know, there's still a lot of struggle in those communities.
0: And with Nerds Collective, do you do work with brands to help them figure out what they're going to do in order to give back as well as, you know, help them with their commercial uh message. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's insisting on that. I think it's about, look, you know, it's
1: too risky. Like, why would you, it's just unethic. Like, I think you just, we live in a different time now. It's like, like you know, and I think young people, Gen Z, are really good at, 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 at partly kind of like creating this new working culture where it has to be given back,
0: Yeah.
1: Whether before you could just kind of, you know, you just use someone as an ambassador and, and do nothing else, but just you know, utilize the, the kind of capital behind that individual to sell more products. And that, that doesn't wash anymore.
0: Yeah, you'll probably get exposed pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I agree. Well, look, look, we're coming towards the end of this, but I feel like it would be a miss if we didn't mention one thing that's obvious. It buzzed on everyone's lips today. And I know you're quite passionate about it as well, which is technology. Especially from the, from a, a younger demographic of people who are digital negatives now bought up, immersed in, in, in tech. What do you see the future of like branding and content creation being with like the emergence of all this crazy new technology that's coming out? I think that young people see it as a, as a powerful tool to
1: stimulate and perpetuate the speed at which people create content. I think it provides for endless opportunities of creative formats. I'm quite pro, like I'm pro it in terms of creative innovation. I think obviously the, the, the side that like, the fallout from it is that there's a lot of jobs that kind become, become redundant as a result of the potential yeah. of AI. It's like forget now, think of it in a year, yeah. you know, think of it in two years, like it's going to be insane. Like The, the, the The rate, then the frequency in which we can create content is going to be incredible, and I think it's important to understand those capabilities. And I think there'll be like two layers. There'll be like the layer, the AI layer, and there'll be the kind of prompting layer, the human layer, and directing AI to create, you know, the right content. But I think it'll be become much more of a commodity.
0: Yeah, where you know, all we want to give more and more people who don't have the kind of innate skill of writing or the ability to put this together the ability that every chance in the world to share an amazing stories in, in the format that they choose yeah That's something that we're super passionate about and i'm i'm very excited by you know people being able to use this as a tool to help them get their message out in the world and share it with more people at the same time you also do to get a sacrifice that there's going to be a lot more kind of average easy gpt created content out there in the world which probably is going to be easier to spot as, as the years go on Luke, right it's been awesome man, having you on thank you so much for coming on thanks um, for your time mate if anyone wants to find out more like hit you up find out more about what you do any brand that wants to engage with like Nerds Collective what's the best way they can do that
1: it's probably just on our website which is you know nerdscollective.com my name is Luke Hodgson Add me on LinkedIn as you said I write a lot of articles and share a lot of insight and thinking and strategy
0: uh, so yeah reach out get contact Hey guys, thanks again for listening to another episode of Content Untapped. If you are interested in finding out what we're up to at Right Business Results, create content to grow a loyal audience, please do get in touch at info at and we will get back to you post-haste. Secondly, if you wanted to continue the conversation about creating great content or anything that you're listening to on this show, give us a DM to the Right Business Results LinkedIn page, or you can DM my personal page and we can spark up a whole new conversation about any of this stuff. We love having conversations about content. So the more the merrier, guys. Thanks again for listening and I will see you next time.